Warning, ProTri News is a podcast with different opinions, knowledge and possibly fake news about triathlon racing. This is not for the faint of heart. If you get offended or hurt by what is said, please stop listening and go listen to some uplifting meditation music or just go work out, then try again. Hello and welcome. Happy 4th of July. Sorry, Mark. I, I, I know it's a little sore subject for you, but uh, us Americans, we like to celebrate the, the greatest day in uh, American history. I don't think it's a sore subject. I don't think most of us even know what it is. But can, happy happy 4th of July. I know it's a big thing for you guys. I just hope that you people in the UK are enjoying working today. I mean... Yeah, I don't know if you've ever done a day's work, Talbot, but. <laughs> That's actually true. That's actually true. Uh, well, welcome to another episode. Thank you, everyone, for joining. Uh, I'm joined by the usual three, Pat, Mark, and Talbot. Um, it seems that now everyone is in their own houses. Mark also moved, so um, it seems that. Every episode we've we've talked about moving at some point. Um, we, this is this is a stopgap. This is another military house. We're in the middle of buying our own house, so we'll, we'll squeeze one more move into the podcast. Don't worry. Oh, jeez, that's brutal. When do you yeah, move again? Well, it depends. Uh, I'm I'm actually his real estate agent, and we're looking at Jan's house in Girona. So if we can work <laughs> out a deal with Jan, uh, right at five hundred thousand euros, uh, he'll be moving in the, in the next couple months. Well, I think. I think what you're navigating is is we're gonna do a bunch of uh, we're gonna have to do a bunch of ads about his coffee shop for the foreseeable future if the sale the the sale of this house goes through. I'm just concerned he'll drop out of the sale. To be honest, cheap <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh. one of the greatest of all time. What? Why Mark, not? Mark, where where are, where are you guys looking at? Uh, so people in the UK will know it's a place in the Midlands called Loughborough. Uh, we're looking at a village just south of there, which is a sort of, yeah, it's, it's Loughborough's the sports university in the UK. So it's got great facilities there, lots of training partners there. Um, yeah, there's plenty of people around that area. So yeah, somewhere quiet. You'll never have heard of it. Don't worry. Nice, nice. Well, well, hey, but, but before before we dive into the podcast real quick, I just want to let everyone know, we are a bunch of clowns that don't know what we're talking about. Like I said, again, we we maybe have to do this once a quarter because lots of people get offended or upset. Uh, make sure you listen to the intro of the show. It's just like Colin Coward on ESPN or whatever he's on, the hot take, Stephen A. Smith talking about sports. We are all just fans, and we're giving our opinions. We're not here to upset people. We're not here to... Uh, make people mad. What Pat says does not reflect Gwen Jorgensen's opinions. What Mark says sure as hell does not reflect his wife's Cat Matthews' opinions. And what I say is the furthest thing from what Lionel Sanders would probably <laughs> ever say. So please do not take our opinions and get emotional about it, get upset about it. We're just here chatting, having fun, and uh, promoting the sport of triathlon. And I, and I think the biggest thing to, to put on that is, uh, you know, look, if there's an athlete and we think that you had a great race one weekend, we're, we're most likely going to talk about it. And if, you know, four weeks later you have a subpar race, I think we're going to 
you know, probably give a fair assessment of that. So it's not a, these aren't personal uh, issues or attacks, but uh, you know, it's like, that's just, that's just the way we're going for it. I, I think the one thing we do have to settle at the start of this, and I called Talbot and Kyle about this yesterday and you guys were off doing VR, who knows where, um, but I, I, in think, the metaverse, in the I metaverse. think it needs to be taught. I think it needs to be spoken about that our text thread, we may have a, a real tight race going on for who's the bigger fanboy here. Is it Talbot for Lionel or is it Mark for Patrick Lang? Because I think it's, it's, it's a very, very tight race. So I'd like to open up and maybe <laughs> talk about that quick. Mark hit it off. Uh, I think I have more shared and spread love, though. I'm a big fanboy. I get I get accused of Alistair Brownlee as well. So there's <laughs> there's more spread there. And I, I just think I fanboyed Patrick at the weekend a little bit because I don't know of any multiple Ironman world champions that would continue racing and pushing once they're 14 minutes down to then fight themselves into second place. He was back in like eighth or something. That was what I thought was really impressive from Patrick this weekend. I think most multiple Ironman world champions, when they're 14 minutes back, they give up. Oh, we're losing a little bit with the with the Wi-Fi. Uh, I'd, I'd, I'd agree with you, Mark. Though. That is that is a very fair assessment. I think the... I think Mark's a little bit like me. He's just a fanboy of the sport. And one week he'll be like me, a Tim O'Donnell fan, and one week he'll be a Sam Long fan and everything in between. The, the British, ver- the European version, the European or the UK version of that. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Exactly. Well, let's dive into the racing that happened this weekend. Before we get started, uh, I believe this may be our last week, maybe one more with uh, Inside Tracker. So, be sure to use the ProTry News um, discount. Just go to insidetracker.com forward slash ProTry News. Um, fill out the information. Get your biometrics done. Um, this will help you race better. It'll help you feel better. Um, it'll help you live life better. It'll also help you understand what goes on inside your body. Um, if you're like me, that's always wondered, hey, I think I have low, low uh, iron because I'll go do a track workout and I'll get lightheaded whenever I try and run a 7:30 mile. There you have it. And Kyle, do you feel like Inside Tracker has helped you out for the the races that you have upcoming in Boulder? Yeah, I'm racing this upcoming weekend um, in at the Boulder Peak. So I feel like taking my multivitamins every day, a little iron supplement has helped me kind of take my training to the next level. And do you However, think that you're gonna you're gonna come do next week's show from GJHQ, or what do you think? Yeah, I'll probably I'll probably come straight off from the uh, from the Boulder Res and come come hang out at your house, hang out well, with Stan. I went swimming there on Saturday, and the water plan for the water in the reservoir to be just absolutely magical. It was a, it was an amazing uh, conditions for swimming out there. What about are are you going to do the race on Thursday? There's a aquathlon, <laughs> which is a swim and a run. I might. Yeah, I. Didn't you have a bet with your wife about it? I, I did. Gwenda still does not think I could complete the 750. Um, I have former professional triathlete Michael Lovato. He saw me swim on Saturday morning. He believes I can complete the triathlon. So there you have it. The One of the voices of Ironman 
does believe I can complete the splash and dash on Thursday night at the Boulder Reservoir. Well, there we go. Um, so you need me to do it next to you side by side. Or are you gonna do it solo? No, we should we should do it like a handicap. Like what what do you think I could what what will the deficit be within? I don't know. What did you what do you swim? I have no idea. Should it be five minutes, five minute handicap? Uh, no, it's gotta be way more than that. I can't. Do you run think it's in more more? Yeah. Oh yeah. So ten minutes. That's right. All Let's right. dive into the races. This is getting boring. I might fall asleep. Well, you are laying in bed. Challenge Roth. Uh, I mean, it's hard to say that this wasn't Magnus Ditlev's outcoming party because he just absolutely obliterated the field. Uh, one by Patrick, one over Patrick Lang by nearly ten minutes. Um, when it was all said and done, rode with essentially rode with Jan Ferdino. Um, and I, I personally, I woke up right as Jan was dropping out of the race. I mean, look, I think a lot of us had him pegged for second or third. So, you know, we knew he was going to do great, but not, not at this level. Um, I, I think we all would have been a little bit shocked or surprised had, had, had somebody been really adamant that he was going to win next week, you know? Yeah, he's, he's, he's definitely not one that I would have picked for the win. But I must say, we saw an incredible performance in Texas. He lost 10 minutes fiddling with his tire on the bike. Well, because he had that blowout. But I, I think the million-dollar question when you address the elephant in the room is Jan Ferdino did. And then also the gap up front, 14 minutes on Sam Long and Patrick Longa. We said in the podcast last week, I'm not knocking uh, Magnus at all. I mean, I, I, I truly, in my opinion, don't think that anyone was going to beat him today. But 14 minutes, that's pretty gnarly deficit. We said in the podcast last week, there is a lot of moto assistance uh, at this race, unfortunately, just because of media and coverage and stuff. That's a pretty large gap. Also, Jan pulled out right around his managers and stuff. Get better put my conspiracy hat on. Was he just seeing how hard he could ride? Was he just doing a race to see how hard he could ride to see what he needed to do in Kona? I would. And say also, that. where was where 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 was his training partner? All day, that we all were like, "Oh, this is going to be what we're going to see in Kona." He's going to draft on him and swim with him and run with yeah. him. I guess it's you know it's clear that that wasn't the case, Talbot. I think. You know, I'm assuming that, uh, you know, there's a big difference between running 10 kilometers and having to run a marathon. I'm of the belief that, you know, had Jan not raced eight weeks ago, roughly, that he probably understood he was never, he probably knew he was never going to finish this race. And I'd have to go back and look at what his exact splits were, those first at the 5K and the 10K. Maybe he thought, you know, look. At where? at 5k and 10k like what were his splits like how like you know where you know where was he running Mm -hmm. and then understanding like okay well if i run you know five or six even 10 minutes slower for the marathon then i'd ideally like to like that could still be a win if i get second place but he might have gone so hard on the bike what happens is is you just you use your calves and what do your calves pull on your achilles tendons he probably went Mm -hmm. so deep 
uh, on the bike to, to make that buffer that there was probably a little bit of a cost ultimately when he started running. So maybe he thought, look, I can, I can run a 245 marathon. Um, I believe my Achilles can handle a 245 marathon, but what it couldn't handle was, a, you know, the bike time that he ripped ultimately. Yeah, yeah, which, which was interesting. But, I mean, last time we saw Jan pull over and ride the bike extremely hard and get put under pressure was in 2017 when he his back hurt. So, I don't know. One of two scenarios here, his Achilles is actually pretty messed up, and this could be the ending of Jan Ferdino in his career. Unfortunately, we saw everyone – I mean, you could name 10 athletes in the sport from Chris Lieto to Sebastian Kainley all the way down to people that just their Achilles was their Achilles heel and, and when they were at the top. Or he just wanted a training day and he wanted to make sure that Patrick Longa didn't get the win. I don't know. Look, I'm more – I. how many more of these big races now is Magnus Ditlev a real contender at? Mm. 24, 24 years old he can obviously he can do serious damage on the bike um is this gonna is this gonna keep being you know what we see of him and i mean it's clear you know uh, obviously you know the the iron man debut that he did in texas right it wasn't the depth of field wasn't there but we could argue that the depth of field was here and this is a real race and you, you know, hats off to him. So, I mean, we're going to, we're going to keep seeing him on podiums, I would imagine. Cause he, and he was, yeah. he was what, nine seconds off Jan Ferdino's record at Roth? Yeah, nine seconds. Like, that's pretty, that's pretty, pretty stout stuff. I'm a little less concerned about these records, just given that every video I saw from Roth yesterday, the amount of vehicles and, and traffic on the course, I mean, I understand why they go here to break records now because there's just a ton of free speed that's given at this race. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, and it, it, and it, it's shocking. And I'm sure that Sam long probably swallowed a big piece of humble pie, but it's, there's some courses you go to and some courses you don't, unfortunately example, I Lionel Sanders would have probably get beat on this course nine times out of 10. I, I hate to say that, but, I mean, if you are not in that lead moto back, you're you're done for. Everyone's going to bike just as fast as an Uber biker. So not I don't, don't want to say everyone, but it's just like maybe Sam learned that lesson the hard way. Sam probably never in a million years expected to be coming off the bike 14 minutes down in Roth. I mean, that is just like he was like, I got funk the week before. And he, he Sam's had a tough European tour. He's learned a lot. I don't see him returning to Europe in anytime soon. To be fair to Sam, I don't think that he rode 14 minutes slower than the front group yesterday. Oh, I would say if you compared their wattage, I don't think he did at all. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Magnus might have outrode. Sure. Magnus outrode him, but, but, but I'd give him six minutes, maybe eight, but not, not, not the full full 14, you know? No, no, not at all. Not at all. Um, you know, I think, uh, can we can we talk about Sam for a second? Yeah. You know, and I think I think it's my assessment of his year so far is that I think unfortunately, if I had to the observation that I've made is that 
this challenge Roth race has dictated so much of his year where I think challenge came to him with a bunch of money and said, we'd like you to do challenge Roth. You're going to do the race the weekend before. And then remember he went and did that challenge race back in South America in early March. Mm -hmm. I think he ultimately had a three race package from them. And it kind of, in my opinion, it took his eye off, off the ball of what's actually available and what should be won this year. And that's, the two the two world championships from Ironman, the PTO races, which he's skipping Edmonton, and then um, seventy point three worlds, which I presume he's going to do that. So I just I just see this as the the you know from Jan one to July fourth was I had a bit of a a bit of a swing and a miss for Sam, unfortunately. I'd agree. I think, though, too, a lot of that comes with race experience, uh, athlete experience. I mean, he's a young pup. I mean, his coach can probably tell him anything he wants, so you should do this race, this race. But, I mean, he's a young kid, wants to do what he wants to do, and he wanted to go on a European tour. He wanted to go see the fans down South South America, probably did see the big prize money. But, I mean, I don't think, like what you just said, we won't see this from Sam again. He will be – as athletes continue to grow, I mean, look at Lionel Sanders. He did the same thing. He went and raced in Europe. He he didn't, did uh, 70.3, not Kreitschgau, but something strange back in the day. Uh, could never figure out the run on an Ironman uh, until finally it'll, it'll all come around. But Sam's about five, six years ahead. So we have a lot to see of someone For like sure. Sam and Magnus. Uh, I mean, once once they make all these mistakes, it only helps them get to the top. I mean, that's why Jan is forty years old and he's so articulate and a perfectionist at everything he does. He's he's already made all these mistakes. Yep, yep. I just I remember Talbot. You and I were both in Coeur d'Alene last year, and you know I thought that was a great race for Sam. And unfortunately, he just hasn't been able to connect the dots um, this year on a race like that yet. But I that that that's still coming for him. Yes and no. Yeah. Um, what were you guys most impressed by? One more thing about the men's race, then we'll get to the women's race. Were you most impressed by Magnus, someone that we saw walking the PTO championship race after he biked his legs off, running a 240 marathon? Or Patrick Lang running a 235 marathon, which was the fastest he's ever run? No, the, Magnus. The marathon, the marathon was 2K short. So take that with a grain of salt. Magnus, 100%. Magnus, for sure. I mean, th- th- this is a guy that, I mean, like you said, the PTO championship in December of 2020, I mean, he could not complete an 18-kilometer run and and maintain running. So for him to do, even if you add the remaining 2K and he does a 247 or a 248 marathon, where he, w- the amount of progression that he's found in, you know, 22 months 20 months from from that race in december of 2020 is is amazing yeah i agree, mm-hmm. I, agree. So, and I would i would go as far to say uh daniel i'm sorry if you listen to this i think that magnus is the best all-round long course athlete out of denmark right now i think that he could possibly take head-to-head daniel in a 70.3 and in an ironman i don't think you need to apologize for that talbot I think we're big fans of Daniel Backgard, but I, I think that it's just yeah. proving that this is that what you said was a true statement. I guess I mean, we'll he's find on out. fire right now. We'll find out at the end of the month at a PTO race in Canada, huh? 
Yeah, Daniel's been in a big block for that race and Magnus race, but yes, you are right. Um, also, Daniel, I'm very jealous of Daniel Backgard. He's going to uh, the Formula One race in Austria this weekend, so I'm very, extremely jealous. He's going to be in the Red Bull garage and everything like that. So Nice. Nice. Um, we also have the women's race, Ann Hogg, returning to her victories. Um, someone have their phone like next to the computer or something, next to the mic? I did, sorry. Uh, so Ann Hogg gets a victory over Fenella Langrich. Um, Fenella led the majority of the day and then was caught by Ann, and then Ann just like stayed on the pedal the entire run. Did you guys happen to look at Fenella Langridge's swim split? No. She came out. She would have come out with all the men. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Lightning fast swim. I think it was all, Anne was almost eight minutes behind her. So, I mean, just just think about that in the in the in the early parts of an Ironman, you can come out with eight minutes within the first, you know, less than an hour, and what that's like to claw back. Um, ultimately, it didn't it didn't matter for for Annie Haug, but. I, I think probably no surprises there on the women's side. Exactly what we predicted. I would mm-hmm. say, I would say so. I would say so for sure. Um, and run, running a two forty six, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, a little short, probably two fifty. If it was the accurate distance, but yeah, that that course is known to be fast. So nice. Simon Ironman Austria. Oof. This was a, I mean, it wasn't really covered or anything like that. Uh, first place, Ivan Tatukin. Uh, second place, Michael Weiss. And third place, Lucas Wow. Ivan Tatukin, if you remember, um, he was the one that had that epic battle with Matt Hansen at Ironman Texas. What was that, like four years ago? Um, it's tough to, to look at athletes like this just from the standpoint of um, Ivan did have a positive drug test uh, with USADA and it was essentially swept under the rug given that um, the drug that he tested positive for is an over-the-counter drug in Russia um, that has since been banned. So you can take that kind of with a grain of salt, um, if you will. And that's Mandalorium or whatever, I think, believe or remember, if I can remember correctly. What is it? I can't, I can't, I can't pronounce anything. But you can look it up. Just type in "items of Duke and drugs," and they'll be uh, come up on Google. But yeah, um, right. seventy point three Lasab. Talbot, did you watch I, this uh, race? I watched a little bit of it, uh, and then I uh, went back and and reviewed the results. Um, but yeah, it, it what, what, just an interesting note is it's going to be hard for Outside Magazine to cover a lot of these. 70 point. I would love to know what the viewership ratings were on this compared to like Oceanside. This is something that Pat and I have talked about in the past, but like a field that not a lot of people care about or watch or whatever. Not that they don't care, but I mean, it's it's just hard to, to get a bunch of eyeballs watching the, this race. Uh, starting with the men's race, Pierre Lacour won it. Uh, I'm just going to butcher these names and then you can. Uh, Shoot me a DM on Instagram on a voice memo on how to name him. Uh, Ian Yonridge? I don't know. Sebrin Beloyd, second. It just wasn't very a very interesting race. The field was really spread out all day. 
Um, same with the women's field. Martina Bernaldi won it. Um, but then a local French athlete um, from La Sable and that local triathlon club uh, ended up getting second place. So they fit they, in another French line, French woman rounded out the podium. So like I said, again, we're, we're out of the COVID time where every start list is packed. So that's just uh, how those kind of races are going to go. Um, and then also going to the same thing, similar in Andorra. I was bummed that we didn't see uh, Josh Amberger finish up on the podium. That was kind of surprised me. Uh, Simon Vane won it. Uh, Jordy Moya. Uh, I first, Right when I looked at the results for a second, I thought it was uh, Mario Mola, <laughs> but it wasn't. Um, and then Ashley Gentle really just stole the show. I mean, she won by like a month and a half in that race. It was like mind-boggling. I still don't think we've seen the Ashley Gentle that we can see uh, at the 70.3 distance. I don't know if she has it figured out or what. She beat uh, Amy Simerman from uh, the USA. She beat her by 13 minutes. So that's a pretty impressive win. But I still like there's another level that uh, Ashley can reach to be at the top level. And I believe that she's going to get there. It's just only a matter of time. Yeah. But that's the wrap-up on those races. Uh, we also had Challenge Vasparo this weekend. India Lee took the victory, and Jesper Svensson won for the men's race. Um, not a whole lot of coverage from that race or anything. So, uh, races upcoming this coming weekend. Um, 70.3 Ecuador got moved from last weekend to this following. Uh, I think it's actually in two weekends. So, um, Andy Potts and Sarah Corrali are on that start list, but Andy Potts is you also can just on the move. Race. You just move. A- a race go go to their instagram i unfortunately i don't speak spanish so i can't tell you exactly what happened but uh if you go to their instagram page and we have a spanish translator they put like a notice one, on top one thing one thing i do want to mention that i didn't mention in my race recap of wasab pierre lacour runs down to finish shoot chest is completely unzipped unbuttoned and all that his zipper broke to give him credit we've seen this before from Athletes from Daniela Rift to Eden, uh South Africa World Championship to uh, whatever that guy's name is that made the Roca Aviators. Not Jesse Thomas, same thing. He was actually trying to duct tape his shut. It made me laugh, though, because I went and read the comments, and there's a lot of upset age groupers that say, how is this possible? Why are you guys promoting and allowing this? And then someone said, oh, get over it. It didn't affect his performance. And then the guy replied back and said, I actually finished an entire – paid $700, finished an entire Ironman. It crossed the finish line, and I was disqualified and was not even given a finisher medal because my zipper was all the way down and was disqualified right there. So that's a, that's a tough bucket of worms. I wonder if anyone else on here – I know that the uh, Connor Bali on your left was disqualified from a, a race as well because of uh, something similar to that. But if I can give anyone a word of wisdom or advice, if you run down the finish shoot and they say you're disqualified, just say your zipper's broke because that's what Pierre Lacour did. Well, maybe his was. Um, and then you can get away with it. Pretty dumb um, rule. I'm concerned on how a zipper just breaks magically in a race. It works. It uh, works. It, it's during the swim in the bike. Works during the swim in the bike and then an automatic, and then it starts breaking. I think we need some R&D from the uh, – triathlon apparel companies to start fixing these zippers to work better. Okay. Sorry. Now let's, let's dive into Watkins Glen. No start list available. Watkins 
Clash has done an incredible job at giving startless so far in advance, but unfortunately we have no startless for this. So I'm under the assumption that this startless is going to be Andrew Starkonowitz versus nobody. It's a bummer. I, I wish that I ultimately, I wish that race had better attendance, but I mean, we're just seeing now there's just so many, there's just so many races on and just simply not enough athletes. So I think that it's a race like this that then pays the price, right? Where it's troubling because this is going to be an incredible race. It's going to be a point to point swim. So they're going to do the swim and then go point to point to the racetrack on the bike and then do yep. the rest of the bike on the racetrack. And then the run is on the racetrack, which is a 5k like loop with elevation and everything like that. Unfortunately, Watkins Glen is kind of in the middle of nowhere, New York, and it's yep. also only a $10,000 prize purse. So with all of those things involved, I mean, you'd, you'd basically be fronting the money for your trip. I mean, I think it's really unfortunate, though, that Clash Endurance split off from, well, it was Challenge Daytona and made Clash Daytona. I mean, we've talked about this in the show before. There's too many different separate companies. They should have just stayed with Challenge, and this they could have grown this entity. But yeah. I think that they're going to continue to struggle to grow as long yeah. as they're separate. Yeah. yeah just, and then even you think about the timing with this race with respect to the upcoming race at Edmonton. And it's just like, it's just really tough. Yeah. Not, yeah. not yeah, the best timing. Not the best timing. Uh, Ironman Victoria coming up this weekend as well. You have a start list of Josh Amberger, Leon Chevalier, Christian Hogenhog. Andy Potts is on this list. Patrick Nielsen, who may or may not finish the race. Uh, Cam Wirth, Nick Castletine, Will Menson. A lot of these top 10 guys already got Kona slots over the last couple of weeks. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see how many actually show up to the race. But yeah. um, so I used to so I used to live here where this race is happening in the Basque region. Um, and this is a, a fantastic bike course and then a, a very well attended uh, run venue. But the run is very, I would call it like technical with many, many turns. And so it's just, don't look for any fast times here, but as far as people, Kyle, if you're looking for a bucket list race, uh, this one should absolutely be on the list. Because of the beauty or because of the speed? I think just Victoria is super cool to be at in the summer and then the vibe and the energy from it is great. And then the course, you know, I don't, the course isn't like insanely hard, right? Like the bike is pretty much flat. You're just riding in the Valley and then the run is all in town. It's an urban run. Nice. Well, we also uh, have, were you, were you going to dive into challenge Vansbro? <laughs> That was that happened last weekend. Oh, it was. Yeah. Uh, Ironman Switzerland. Ironman Switzerland. Unfortunately, this start list was Daniela Reef and um, Laura Phillip. Laura, Laura Phillip has since come off of this start list. Um, so it's essentially Daniela Reef, Svenja Toes, who's also been on a massive tear as of late. Um, hopefully, she's able to get her Kona slot, and then. A lot of kind of first-time um, Ironman athletes. So we also have 70.3 Oregon coming up this weekend. A lot of Americans making their way uh, 
to Salem for that race. Uh, you have Justin Metzler, Tim O'Donnell, uh, Kyle Buckingham, Eric Lagerstrom, Trevor Foley, uh, Brent McMahon, Matt Russell, um, a lot of people, Ari Cloud, that you kind of hope that they're able to come onto the scene and, and break into uh, what could be the their next sphere of success. What do you think, Talbot? I mean, yeah. Mm, yeah. We'll boring? See. Boring? Boring. Yeah, pretty bored, pretty bored uh, right now. Pretty bored. We got the women's start list as well with Heather Jackson, Jeannie Metzler, who's making her, uh, I believe, nice. her That's cool. debut for this year. Um, Han- Dr. Hannah Wells, Danielle Lewis, Miranda Carfrey, uh, Lindsey Corbin, who lives just down the street, and Allie Brower. So. Do I get to do my tech report yet? Semi. Yeah, let's hit it. We have one more WTCS Hamburg this weekend. We don't have our short course uh, extraordinaire with us, unfortunately. So um, get ready to enjoy Kyle telling you that this race is going to be exciting. Everyone should tune in. And but and, and I'm sorry, Kyle. Is there a relay at Hamburg? There is a relay, but it's okay, not cool. World Championship because that was in okay. Montreal. All right, so they're doing another relay. Um, this, you know, the, I can maybe Kyle. I don't know who was racing. I don't have the start list in front of me right now, but I can just speak to the the venue and and talk about. You know, this is obviously the longest standing uh, WTCS on the circuit, and the sh- the swim is always very challenging. Where you jump in the water, it's short to the first can, uh, right, right, and then you swim in. You go through a tunnel, and then you come out. So positioning is always very important and then the bike course uh, typically is uh, it's, it's open on the backside, but then there's coming through the start finish it is fairly tight so it just depends um where they're going to lay the cones out and how they're going to um pr- try and manipulate the course and and make it worse somehow um but you know this is a six or six lap course typically for a sprint so the the laps are quite short this is like one of my favorite courses because they go into that bridge. Yeah, and then always like there's fantastic crowds. So yeah, this is a this is a great race. Don't don't they have something like a half a million people down there downtown Hamburg that you're on that race? Um, it's probably not half a million. I I think it's you know it's maybe a hundred thousand. Um, but it's I mean it's it's a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gwen's yeah. one there, right? Yep, yep. Um, a handful of times, yeah. There's not a lot of places Glenn has it one, so. <laughs> so, all right. Tech report? Tech, what do you got for us? I was tasked this week with some tech reports, doing some research, and it was perfect timing uh, given that it was the op- the first day of the Tour de France and their prologue. And so I was taking notes and getting a bit of an understanding of what developments are happening in the sport of pro cycling and how that relates to professional triathlon. So I think the biggest thing that I've noticed in the past, I'll call it uh, really six weeks in triathlon, or, or sorry, in road cycling, is that team bike exchange has won an inordinate amount of time trials. So they won um, some Giro time trials. They've won women's time trials in the Tour of Switzerland. And there's a common factor there. They've got all of their products uh, being reviewed. And then in the skin suit side, they're being built by Vortec. And then the gentleman that's leading that project, I'm told, is a man named Jamie Pringle. Uh, So this is 
somebody whose expertise they're leaning into and they are uh, far probably exceeding the results that they were capable of a year ago in the time trial space. Where that makes me curious is if what could we learn from that group and then who's going to bring that to triathlon the soonest. So I think it's very clear that these Vortex suits, while they cost, you know, roughly 3000 US dollars, they are extremely fast on the bike. Um, and now probably the question that needs to be asked is how do you make it so you can swim and run in them? Because they are, they are significantly faster. Um, and it's, it's proving to be that. So uh, that's what I've noticed first. Mm-hmm. Second, Specialized came out with a new time trial helmet. We've probably seen all the memes and all the Star Wars uh, similarities. Um, and it's got a very interesting, a unique shape to it um, that, that morphs to your back very, very closely. And I don't know how, you know, they've obviously would have tested that in their own wind tunnel and then determined like the best shape for the most amount of people. Um, but, but some pretty big progression there. And then understanding that, um, they've got a, what looks like a balaclava around what we normally wear in the winter in the Midwest when we're riding. That's what they've got us. So they've realized that they're, they could clean up the air around there. Now, what's interesting to me is if you're wearing that for a 13 kilometer prologue and it's the one in the tour um, this past weekend in Denmark, the, the weather was quite cold. So they didn't have an issue overheating. But if you're going to bring that helmet to triathlon and you're going to have it at a venue like St. George, Kona is that sleeve what is the what does that look like for cooling and is that a reality that you could wear that so more to come on that but I think when that helmet that helmet has to be commercially available to have UCI approval um, I do believe that if it's available to for the public if, if it's in stock they're going to fly off the shelves you think so for a triathlon or UCI uh, I think for triathlon, I think that people will just use it without the, without like the face sleeve on the, you know, if it's cold out, you put the face sleeve on, but I think if it's in a normal circumstance where you've got to have your helmet on quick, they'll go without. Um, and that guy won the time trial, didn't he? Uh, the guy that actually won the time trial was wearing the older model. So a bit of a marketing um, flop, flop there, but, but clearly the amount of noise they got. And, and if you saw even the guys at Ineos, the cast has a new helmet shape out. That's just the helmet is massive and they must do that to try and make it smoother with your shoulders. I'm, I'm not exactly sure on the aerodynamics there. Um, Kyle, is it okay? I've got two more points in here. Yep. Go ahead. Okay. Vittoria tires. Now Vittoria has been around forever. They're historically the best in the game. They have had periods um, in we'll call it like the early 2010, 11, 12, 13, where their tires were not great in the rain. Now, historically, Vittorias are amazing in the rain. So in when I was bike racing and I was allowed to use whatever tires I wanted, I would always have a set of Vittorias that were that were made for the rain. But they have they did go through a spell when the tires were bad in the rain. Now, what's interesting to me, the Vittoria tires there were a lot of crashes in the prologue that were on Vittoria tires. Most notably Stefan uh, Bissinger from education first. And it's, I'm wondering if the people using Vittoria tires in triathlon need to be worried about their ability in the rain again, is this a problem that we're going to see going forward? So 
Don't know, but that was just something I noticed. Um, mm. Finally, I've got uh, in this world where everyone's getting custom 3D printed aero bars, right? We all know about this. We got to, Kyle, yeah. we got to get your bike outfitted with something from uh, Minor Tri Rig. Sorry. Mark, Mark, yeah, Mark could name off all of the, the custom brands that you could get, you know, these three, four, five thousand dollar setups done. The only OEM manufacturer that I'm seeing that is being used at the front of the races. So these are guys like uh, Walt Van Aert, Primoz Roglic, uh, even like I mentioned earlier, Stefan Bissinger um, is FSA and Vision. They seem to have created a product that can be relatively off the shelf. But the top guys, whether they're even if they've got sponsorship obligations, they still uh, don't seem to be giving up any time in the time trials. So where I think about this is, is could we see that same adoption rate? Uh, we don't see a lot of that product um, in the sport of triathlon. But is there a world where this could be uh, brought over and we'd see if some, a few more sponsorships by FSA and, uh, and Vision? in the triathlon space because of this, because their aero equipment does seem to be quite good. Mm. So that a lot of other, you know, there was a lot of other wheels that I saw for the first time in um, bicycle racing that I just haven't seen yet in triathlon. So an interesting blend where obviously bicycle racing has to, has the confines of UCI rules. Um, but they're still, I think they're, I think they're leading right now, honestly, in, in, pulling out the most amount of gains um, and they're, and they're finding the most speed um, where I think, I, I think triathlon is a little behind the eight ball right now. Do you think it's because of funding or lack thereof? No, I don't think that, I don't think, I don't think it's got anything to do with funding. I think that there's some people that are, that are probably just aren't as aggressively searching for gains on the bike as they are in the sport of cycling right now. Mm. So, yep. Uh, do we want to talk about any PTO rankings or anything like that? Canada start list. You're muted Talbot. <laughs> That's awkward. Go I said, ahead, I think it's very interesting that Laura Phillip dropped her name off of the uh, Austria start list to race Daniela because she's going to focus on, um, seventy point or not seventy point three, but uh, the Canadian PTO tour, and I think it's a smart move as well because I think that with how big this prize purse is, she knows. You know what? I don't need to go race Danielle now. I, I'm confident enough that I can take her yeah. in Kona. So I think it was a wise, very wise athlete coach decision between her and Philip, her husband, to be like, you know what? Let's not lose track of just to go chase someone down. Let's go win another big race, uh, stamp our name that we're the best athlete in the world. Let's get that PTO bonus. I think it's like a 5% uh, point bonus. And then let's solidify it in Kona that we're the best athlete in the world. So hats off. <laughs> tip my hat. Tip my hat. Tip my hat. Uh, and then I think that I still think that that female field can get a little bit deeper. I'm still a little shocked that there's not more athletes coming over. Uh, and once again, I'm just still pretty mind blown that we're not going to see Sam Long on that start list. I mean, just hops, I mean, literally a drag flight from Denver, Colorado to Edmonton. As long as so, you're not on Canada air. When is, no, I guess tell, but my question is, is obviously there's some names that have been, um, 
removed from the start list in Edmonton? Is there, have you, do you know, like, are they bringing people on the week of, or are they going to, are they just going to say like, no, look, we named our 40. If six of them pull off now due to injury or illness or whatever, we're not going to look to replace them. I don't know. I can, I can ask uh, Nick, their guy on the phone tomorrow or, or Ronan. Um, I'm not really for sure on what they're going to do as far as that. I think that, this first race is going to elevate how a triathlon should be covered. Uh, yeah. I can't wait for it. It's going to be so professional, so high class. I would really encourage – they're not sponsoring the show at all, but I would really encourage as many people to be playing it in their house on your phones, uh, as many eyeballs as we can on this race because this is the future of the sport. This is what is going to help athletes make it a true living in this sport. So the more help we can give them – uh, and the more access we can give them, then the better. But Pat, I, I can't answer that question right now. I just know that the start list is pretty freaking stacked. So yeah, I mean, the women's start list, like, it, you have Laura Phillip, Taylor Nibbs, Sky Munch, Emma Pallant-Brown, Paula Finley, Jackie Harry. Holly on there? Holly Lawrence is on here. Ash Gentle, <laughs> Tamara Jewett. I mean, this start list is pretty stacked from the women's side. Um or what you could do is just skip this and put all your eggs in the Kona basket and go make $4,000 for getting seventh place in Kona. Oh, God. Are you better that Sorry. someone's not on the start list, Talbot? I just I, – I still am just a little baffled that athletes are still just like – I love Kona. Trust me. It's like my life. But still, it's like – these people are giving you money. They're trying to give you guys a future and a career and like an industry to, to grow on. Why would you not go to this race? The 20th place is getting paid like five G's. It's pretty so. insane. The men's, yeah. the men's start list is even, I would say, almost a little bit thicker uh, from the standpoint of like now Magnus has solidified himself as, as a top contender. Um, I, I, I would say the men's start list is deeper than 70.3 world start list last year. Oh, without a doubt. This is not even no, Easy. 100%. 100%. Easy. 100%. Yep. So, I mean, you're going to see a world championship caliber field at both events go at it, and it is going to be a spectacular event. And guess what? My flights are booked, and I'm flying Canadian air. Make sure you bring your uh, all your luggage's carry-ons because I would hate for your uh, oh, I, cameras oh, to get lost. Carry-ons. I'm only bringing carry-ons, and I'm also flying up there for three hundred dollars round trip, so that ain't too bad out of Denver. Pat, you coming? I got to look at it. I'm. I'm. Uh, I have to do a fourteen-hour drive to Wisconsin um, that on that Monday, I believe. So I've got a. I could have a really nice weekend ahead of me. Oof, that's pretty. Brutal. Yikes! Yikes! So. so. Um. PTO. But that's about it. Things yeah. are getting things are really starting to heat up on it. I'm excited. PTO points. You know, talking about PTO points. Also, this this race course of the PTO uh, Canadian Open, the bike course is pretty brutal. What is there? 20, 24 turns, twenty two turns. Yeah, I mean it's a pretty technical course. We we they released this a long long time ago, um, but it's it's not as bad as anything else. You know, for whatever reason, I was, I had, uh, I met up with, you know, the founder of the PTO on, it would have been Friday morning. And I told him, I said, the thing that you got to remember about Edmonton is that um, for whatever reason, it just, it, 
it broadcasts really well. Like the city looks fantastic in a broadcast. And I said, I think that that will help elevate um, the, just the coverage and the overall look and feel and how it does. So while you're out the, the start where, where the start and finish is, it's quite isolating. It's hard to get to and hard to get home from. And so that that's always what makes um, spectating quite challenging there because it's, it's, it's just really hard to get in and out of, even though it's awesome. It's a great swim venue. Um, and then obviously transition, it works well from there, but it's just hard for spectators. Uh, but, but the, the city will look great on the broadcast where I think in Dallas, it'll look a little bit more like a concrete jungle and just won't, won't, won't film as well. Well, it's mm-hmm. in Las Colinas, not in Dallas. So it won't even oh, look okay. like All right. All right. All right. All right. So you'll see a lot of blue bonnets. All right. Well, good to know. But it is a little bit more picturesque in uh, Edmonton, Canada than it is Las Colinas, Texas. Talbot, give us one of your just a most amazing closeouts of the show that you're capable of. Well, this morning I did sit down and watch Joey Chestnut of the USA at the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest eat 63 hot dogs in 10 minutes. And I couldn't help but think I need to go to this guy's Instagram and just see like what the heck is going on. The guy got the guy has 80,000 followers. And the most important thing, Pat's going to want to kill me after this. He's sponsored by Dude Wipes. Can't even believe it. Dude Wipes. And this is this is completely irrelevant. He's going to need them after those 80 hot dogs, bro. (laughs) You know who else needs them? Is Lionel Sanders who needs to take a dump in every oh. Ironman he does? So if there's anyone here who has any connection at Dude Wipes, who knows how to get a connection at Dude Wipes, we need Dude Wipes contact for Lionel Sanders. Outside of that, one other thing exciting we've been working on. I've been working with the PTO on covering uh, kind of a a race build up to the Edmonton uh, PTO tour with Lionel and also Paula Finley. They're going to be pumping so much content. So uh, thanks so much for listening this week. Make sure you guys tune in. We're going to do another show next week. We might do two of Race Week in Canada as things are just kind of unfolding because we're super excited for the event. Um, And just start really anything you see a PTO, like it, follow it, because it helps grow the sport and maybe they can uh, send us to one of their races. That would be a lot of fun if any of you guys are listening. Jamie, Ronan, Charles, anyone. Sam. Sam. Um, Sam. Sam, we know you're listening. Think college uh, game outside, day. College game day in Edmonton, Canada. But outside of that, no, I appreciate you for listening. Sorry for the rant at the beginning of the show. We don't mean to offend anyone. We just love triathlon and we love to talk about it. And we're not going to be PC on here and hide our emotions and feelings if we're just passionate about it. So thanks for listening. We will see you next week. Uh, And sorry, Mark had to bounce out in the middle of the show. He bounced because his Wi-Fi wasn't too good. He's still uh, on the fence on moving and stuff. So they're trying to get all that set up. All right. We'll see you next week. Peace.